so let's go first to those in this life that are seeking. They're seeking rest. They wish they knew for sure that they are going to heaven. They wish that that was settled and they knew. Um, so let's go back to verse 1 here. It says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Many people are come, coming short of that rest because they're trusting in their own works to try to get themselves to heaven. And they know deep down that they're not perfect by far. If you hold your place here, notice with me in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Is there anyone here that in some, at some point in your life you wish you were taller? Anyone here ever wish you were taller? I did. When I was in junior high and high school, and I kind of liked basketball, but I was not tall. And so other, many others were taller than I. So I, I wished I, I was taller. Uh, but notice in Romans 3 and verse 23. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have what? Sin and what? Come short of the glory of God. So we're all. Now, maybe some of you have never wished you were taller. Uh, maybe you are tall and maybe, uh, maybe sometimes you've had a hard time finding clothes. Uh, maybe, maybe you have big feet. Maybe... Uh, or bigger than others, I should say. And uh, maybe you have trouble finding a shoe big enough, long enough. Or some of you have wide feet. I know sometimes I have trouble finding a shoe that's wide enough. I don't have a super long foot, but I have a wider foot. So there's one thing we all share in common, though, and that's verse 23. We've all sinned, and we've all come short of the glory of God. We don't measure up to perfection. Uh, not even close. When I was small, and, and when you were young, some of you are still young, did you ever lie in your back on the, in the summertime and look up into the sky at the clouds and just wonder how tall of a ladder it would take to reach there? I remember being young and thinking that. How, how long of a ladder would it take to get up on those clouds? Uh, well, we come far short. Any ladder on earth is far too short to do that. Uh, but many, many people don't have rest in their lives because they're looking to their own goodness to try to get to heaven, and they know they're coming up short. And, and they don't know what to do about it because they don't know the truth. Uh, our website takes a poll every week. And how it does it is that when people order gospel tracts or Bible courses in quantity, they have to fill out a questionnaire. And number 13 on that questionnaire, yes, there's even more questions than 13, uh, but number 13 is this. Do you believe that a Christian can lose his or her salvation? And there are a lot of people that say yes. They believe that a Christian can lose salvation. Now, a person that's in that situation, then there is never going to be rest. If a person believes they can lose their salvation, then that means salvation is never guaranteed until you die and stand before God. And that is a life, really, of no rest.
wondering. It's a life of doubt. Well, notice with me in John chapter 10. If that happens to be where you are today, let me show you some scripture today. John chapter 10 and verse 27. John 10, we'll read 27 through 30. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they what? Follow me. And I give unto them what? Eternal life. life. How long is eternal? Forever. Forever. Have you ever bought a product and it said on it, limited warranty? Well, if it says that, uh, you mark it down. Whatever the problem is, it's probably not going to cover it. Craftsman Tools used to say, warranted forever. Now, are they warranted forever? <laughs> no, uh, Sears, I, Sears has already had trouble. Um, but, but God says, I give unto them eternal life. It's not temporary life. If salvation could be lost, this verse would have had to say, and I give unto them temporary life or probationary life. Probation is you're on some terms where you're being watched. And if you mess up, you could be in big trouble. But no, it says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall what? Never perish. If salvation could be lost, that would be incorrect to say that they shall never perish. You'd have to have a disclaimer. Well, they'll never perish if they don't lose their salvation. No, it says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Not too long ago, and I think some of you saw this too, but in one of my news notes, it said that, that a judge was attacked by a prisoner. Uh, the prisoner was being brought before her, and I, I think it was about uh, parole or release date, something. And uh, the judge, a female judge, and she was just beginning, I believe, to say that she had decided that this man was not, she was not going to allow him to get out. And I don't remember all the details, but it set this man off. And he just took off running um, toward the judge and he leaped over the judge's bench, which I, I don't know how tall they are. And, and I don't know how far away he was from the judge's bench, but he cleared it. He cleared the bench. And by this time, the judge was kind of, she was kind of half falling out of her chair watching this guy come flying at her. And so she kind of fell already, seems like, or was headed for the floor. And then this guy flies right over the bench and, and lands on top of her. Uh, and, well, another guy from the left there immediately comes over and tries to pull this guy off the judge. And I think, I think that guy, uh, you can't see all the the judge in at that point, but I think that guy was kind of hanging on to the judge. And so this guy's trying to pick him up, who was trying to pick the judge up. So, I mean, he's trying to pick up two adults and get this guy off. And well, they finally get the guy off from her. And 
it looked like there was at least three guys fighting this guy, and they were having three guys all they could do to try to subdue this man. Um, and sometimes people may think that, well, God says that he's, he saved me, but there's, there's the devil. There's people. Um, they're all trying to pull me in the wrong direction. And um, how many of you have ever played tug of war? Yeah. How many of you have ever felt like the rope? You know, you're, you're the one being pulled in two. Sometimes people spiritually get that idea like, oh, I know that God says he'll save me, but I feel like the devil is pulling on me so hard and, and wicked people are pulling on me so hard and I want to do right, but there's so many people pulling on me and you know, God's pulling me to do this right and people and the devil's trying to pull me to do the wrong and it, and it just feels like I'm just being pulled right in two. Well, that's not the way it is. Notice once again, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of what? My hand. So it's, it's not like we are trying to hold on to God, but people are pulling our feet and trying to get us to fall. We are in God's hand. You know, once even, once even a person has a, a grip on something. You know what? It's hard to pry even one finger loose. It's hard. But do you imagine God's hand? When we are saved, when we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, we are in God's hand, and there is no one that can break his grip. Um, notice with me, if you would, well, hold your place here, but in Matthew 28, just how strong is Jesus? How strong is he? I mean, there's all kinds of strong people in this world, but how strong is Jesus? In Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, What? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Can you bench press 200? 250? 300? What can you deadlift? 200? 250? 3? More? Well, all power is given unto Jesus in heaven and earth. All power. There is no limit to his power. There is no one that can break his grip. No one. We are in his hand. It's not that we are holding on to God. We are in his hand. And he is all-powerful. And then if you look at John 10 and verse 29, John 10, 29. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of what? My Father's hand. So we're pictured not only in Jesus' hand, but in the Father's hand. And then verse 30, Jesus says, I and my Father are what? One. No one can break that grip. So... When we are resting in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, not depending on our own works, but resting in him, then there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Notice then back in Hebrews chapter 4. So 
So why do people not enter into that rest? Why do they spend their whole life wondering, fretting in turmoil about salvation? Well, Hebrews 4.2, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Well, why? What answers it? Not being mixed with what? With faith in them that heard it. Notice with me in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Why is it that people can hear the word of God? Um, as Brother Steve mentioned, uh, Reese's brother Alan, um, an atheist, he wasn't, he wasn't raised in an atheistic home. Why today is he claiming to be an atheist? Romans 10, 17 says, So then what? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So Hebrews 4, 2 tells us that the word preached does not profit people because it's not mixed with faith. They refuse to believe what God has said. So we need to read the word of God and study it, and we'll find that it is true. You know, there have been so many scoffers that say, oh, that king in the Bible, um, there's no record of such a king, or that city in the Bible, or like Jericho, you know, the Bible says the walls of Jericho fell down flat. And for years, scoffers denied um, that the walls of Jericho fell down flat, or if there even was a Jericho. Well, guess what? They've excavated it, and guess what they found? All the walls are falling flat out of that city. God's word is true. God's word is right. So if you study it and then study what's happened, you'll find out that the Bible is true. Um, notice in John chapter 5. John chapter 5. You know, when it comes maybe to buying a vehicle, <clears throat> you know, you're trying to study, you know, what... What vehicle is best, what will hold out, or if you're trying to buy an appliance or something else. You try to do your research and find out if this is a quality product. Well, if we will do our research, we'll find out that we can rest in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. In John 5, 24, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and this is Jesus speaking, and believeth on him that sent me hath what? Everlasting life. How long is everlasting? Forever. <clears throat> and shall not come into what? Condemnation. You see, that's when people <clears throat> are not resting in Jesus. They're, they're afraid they're going to come into condemnation. They're afraid someday they're going to be cast into hell. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we can know for sure that we're saved. How? Um, notice to me in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and verse 30, Acts 16, 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And they said what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. <clears throat> Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord means master. When a person desires to be saved, there's got to be that desire. Lord, I want you to be my Lord, my master. I want to follow you. I want to do what's right. That, that's my heart desire. Lord, is, <clears throat> I want to do what is right. Jesus means savior. So it's looking to him, not looking to myself. It's looking to him for my salvation. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is God almighty in the flesh. He came to this earth through a miraculous virgin birth. That was necessary that he would not be born with a sin nature like us. We, we are like a magnet to do wrong. We're like a magnet to steal. Our flesh is so weak. <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ. Christ means the anointed one, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. So when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's that desire, Lord, please cleanse me from my sin. Please save me. I, I desire to do your will, to do what is right. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be what? Saved. It doesn't say might be. It says shalt be saved in thy house. And then in verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he in all his straight ways. So the first thing God asks us to do after we are saved is to follow him in baptism. And it's us identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we go under the water, it pictures our death to the old life of sin. When we come up out of the water, it pictures a new life in Jesus Christ. That's what he desires. Um, so we can know when we place our trust in Christ. Notice in Acts 3, Acts 3 and verse 19. Acts 3, 19. The Bible says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be what? Blotted out. Blotted out. Do you know anyone living right now that knows anything wrong that you've ever done? We all do. There's all kinds of people that know our faults and our failures. Whether they are faults and failures done in ignorance or faults and failures just done in stubbornness or rebellion. All kinds of people know. Do you know when the Bible says there, repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Repent means to turn. So I'm going my own way. I want to be saved. I turn to God and I ask him to cleanse me, him to transform my life. And he will. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Can you imagine having with God, having all of your sins blotted out, all of them erased, never to be mentioned to you again? What a wonderful thing because people, some people will mention faults and failures often to us. God will not when we get saved. And it goes on to say, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshment. You know what that pictures? Rest. 
refreshment, rest. And you can find that today in Jesus Christ. And then as, as Christians, what about us? Well, let's go back to Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4 and verse 9. It says, there, re, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. You know what? We can run ourselves ragged in life just trying to reach people for Christ. And we should be active uh, but sometimes you may be just worn out feeling like you're just being run ragged trying to bring people to Christ. Sometimes, many times, people use all kinds of worldly tactics to try to get people to see their needs. Um, but you know what? We need to rest in God's power, not our own. Uh, look here in verse 9, Hebrews 4, 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from what? His own works, his own works as God did from his. It's depending upon God to do a work in hearts, not our own um, ideas, tactics, enticements, trying to get people to come to Christ. So how do we rest? Look at verse 12. It says, for the what? Word of God. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, when you're trying to talk to some people about the Lord, you're trying to think, okay, I don't, I don't know what this person is thinking. I don't know what to say. The Bible, we need to rest in the Word of God. Verse 12, it's the Word of God that's quick and powerful. I couldn't tell you how many times I've talked to someone, and then later on I thought, oh, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said that. You know what? It's, it's not up to my quick thinking. It's up to the Word of God. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the Word of God that gets down in a person's life it says, even to dividing the center of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We do not know. We may think we know what someone is thinking, but oftentimes we do not know what someone is thinking. But the Word of God gets to that. Sometimes after a message, someone will say to me something about like, um, well, that's, that's exactly what I needed. But I didn't know they needed that. It was the Word of God. Or sometimes uh, when Brother Ken Miller got saved, he thought someone had told the evangelist all about his life because the evangelist was preaching against all of the sins, it seemed like, that were in his life. And he was sure someone had told the evangelist about him personally. The evangelist didn't, had no clue. Then what was it? It was the Word of God. It was the Bible, the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So let's, let's rest in the Word of God, and then let's rest in prayer. Um, notice in verse uh, 15, well, let's start in 14, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest, <clears throat> excuse me, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
This is an amazing thing. In verse 15, we're told here that Jesus is our high priest and that he was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Now, if you, if you go to someone who is just excels in something, but you do not, many times they'll, they'll act like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do this? Um, you know, why can't you figure out this math, math problem? Why can't you lift something this heavy? And it goes on and on. Why can't you sow this? Um, on and on. Uh, but the Lord Jesus is perfect, verse 15. And yet verse 16 says that we can come before, boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It goes back, verse 15, that he can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. It does touch his heart. He cares about us. So today, are you seeking rest? Maybe today you are not sure you're saved and you sure wish you could be sure. Well, you can be today. Repentance and faith, turning from the road you're on, just turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, I do believe in you. I do believe that you are the Son of God, God Almighty in the flesh. I do ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me. And he will. As Christians, are you seeking rest today? Are you troubled? There was a pastor by the name of Warren Cornell, and he was born in Michigan, um, just down in Whiteford, Michigan, just above the the border with Toledo, Ohio, down in that way. And he was a guest speaker at some special meetings over in Wisconsin. And on the last day of the meetings, it went on, I think, for five days. On the last day, he went down by the Milwaukee River and was walking along the river. And as he walked, some, some thoughts came to him, and he grabbed a flyer out of his pocket and began to write on the back side of the flyer. Well, he put that flyer, when he was done, he put the flyer back in his pocket and then went to the last evening of the meetings. Well, some, sometime during the meetings, that flyer fell out of his pocket. And when the host pastor, um, whose name is William Cooper, the people had all gone and he was cleaning up and he saw a paper lying on the floor and he picked it up and saw on the back side that someone had done a bunch of writing on it, and he began to read the words. And the words were this, far away in the depths of my spirit tonight, rolls a melody sweeter than song. In celestial strains, it unceasingly falls o'er my soul like an infinite calm. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Does that sound like something you're looking for? That peace? He went on writing, What a treasure I have in this wonderful peace, buried deep in the heart of my soul so secure that no power can mine it away while the years 
of eternity roll. I am resting tonight in this wonderful peace, resting sweetly in Jesus' control. For I am kept from all danger by night and by day, and his glory is flooding my soul. And I think when I rise to that city of peace, where the author of peace I shall see, that one strain of the song which the ransomed will sing in that heavenly kingdom will be peace. Peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Pastor Cooper sat down at the organ and started to play some notes, and he wrote the music. And after writing the music, he also decided to write a verse of his own. This was his verse. He said, Ah, soul, are you here without comfort and rest, marching down through the rough pathway of time? Make Jesus your friend. Ere the shadows grow dark, oh, accept this sweet peace so sublime. As I mentioned, Pastor Cornell was born right here in Michigan. Um, And you know what? You can be born again right here in Michigan, Greenville, Michigan. And you can be born again today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the peace that you give us the eternal peace, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ has died for our sins, has paid the wage, the payment for our sin that we can have by repenting and receiving him as our Savior. I pray this morning, if there are any here who have never yet repented and received the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray today they would find that eternal peace in you and receive you. I pray that you'd help us as Christians. Lord, we know it's also easy for us to fret and worry and be concerned. And Lord, we need that peace. We need to rest in you, to rest in your word. So Father, please work in each of our hearts today, in Jesus' name, amen.